Howdy how, this is Aswi, and you're listening to Brown Men Won't Jump. Yo, what is up, guys? We are back with another episode of Brown Men Won't Jump. You know, I had to kick off every other host, and I'm here with AC, actually. It's just me and him today. What's up, my boy? Was good, was good. Raptors looking nice right now, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about them, but we had to talk about the Oscars that just passed us by, and what happened between Will Smith and Chris Rock. Kind of interesting, huh? I mean, a man slapped a man. (laughs) I kind of know how else to put it. He just walked up and slapped a guy on live TV. And everybody was wondering whether it was staged or what the fuck was going on. And then the next thing you know, everything was censored. Yeah. And you see Will Smith screaming. And then he gave this crocodile tears filled (laughs) apology when he, you know, was giving his acceptance speech. But it wasn't even really an apology. He said that. The devil made him do it, and, and he said that. You know, he also said something about how it's like his destiny to protect people. It was one of the most absurd TV moments I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and for context, everybody. So the reason why you know Will Smith slapped the shit out of Chris Rock is because Chris Rock made a joke about you know uh, Will Smith's wife's hair loss uh, problems. So I think he kind of took a little bit of offense to that. At first, it was interesting because it looked like he was kind of laughing along, like, oh, ha, ha, ha. But it looked like Jada was not having any of it. So, you know, I guess to defend his wife's honor or whatever honor she really has at that point, he just went ahead and did whatever the fuck he had to do. Well, what you say there is funny to me because you're right. He definitely was caught laughing at the joke first before then all of a sudden escalating it to the... (laughs) extreme point that he actually went up and hit a man about, about mm-hmm. this so i don't know what transpired between the moment him, him smiling and then probably realizing his his wife wasn't happy is my guess but it wasn't speaking for the follically challenge if i could just slap every man who made a ball joke i mean come on guys like you can't <laughs> be doing that shit yeah and of course for those of you who don't know ac is indeed bald so uh, i mean it would resonate I, got, with I got myself a nice shaved head beautiful yeah, dome. yeah. Look, looking good looking good man so, of course, there's not. There's a reason why we, we brought up the whole uh, Will Smith stuff. It's because we kind of want to talk a little bit about some cheap shots that we've seen over the course of, you know, the uh, the NBA's history. And there's a lot of instances of guys just, like, smacking the shit out of each other. So, AC, why don't you uh, give us some examples here? Yeah, so, in Oscars territory, this was a rare event, right? But mm-hmm. in the NBA's history, there's been tons of guys, you know, getting into brawls, tons of shocking moments over the years. And we're just going to talk today solely about times where one guy walked up to another man and fucking slapped him or maybe <laughs> did more than slapping. Oh, yeah. So Anu and I had a little bit of a discussion and in about five minutes, we came up with the top 10 just off the top of our heads. So Anu, why don't you lead us off? What's number 10 on our list of Will Smith slap moments in NBA history? So at number 10, we have to talk about one of my favorite players, but one of his more unfortunate moments where Lambeer just absolutely fucking took my guy down. My boy, Larry Bird. It was just unbelievable. I When I watched the highlights of it happening, I was like, God damn, like he's really trying to end my boy's life over here. Yeah. And to give some context about this play. So this was during the time of a very heated 
Detroit Pistons versus Boston Celtics rivalry in the 80s. And this took place in a playoff series that was very tight. And the bad boys had kind of just started to establish their identity as being this very physical team, this Pistons team that people feared. And Larry Bird was a guy they just couldn't get past. I mean, he he had you know stunningly defeat them year after year, sometimes in shocking fashion, uh, most famously the, in, by the steal by Bird, as they say, when he passes to Dennis Johnson off an inbound steal, and then, then the Celtics win. So this year, the Pistons want to set a tone. And Bill Lambeer, their big enforcer, their cheap shot artist, extraordinaire, took this man out of the air and slammed him onto the fucking ground on his own. Yeah, I mean, it's just, if you can talk about the dirtiest players in NBA history, I mean, Bill Lambeer is definitely, if not the most dirtiest player in NBA history, like, actively looking to end people's careers with the most absurd shit. And it's it's just unfortunate because, again, it's like you said, they couldn't stop him, right? It's the same, like, thing that happened a lot of times with Michael Jordan, too. Like, they take this guy out before he could actually even get into the air. And with Larry Bird, you know, he's a player who played with lots of skill, and he's a tough, gritty guy, too, so... You know, he did not take uh, kindly to that action, and it almost resulted in, well, pretty much resulted in a huge brawl between the two. Yeah, and, and in the next game, there was a little retaliation shot at Bill Ambeer. I believe it was Robert Parrish who threw the punch the, off the top of my memory. But yeah, the, they, the Celtics were not going to take it lightly. But ultimately, this physical tone did end up making a bit of a difference in this series, and it wore on the Celtics over the course of the time. So it actually had a, a, an impact in the actual series. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, in a lot of situations, there's a lot of guys who kind of have these altercations with other players, but they usually end up fine afterwards. Like, no, Larry Bird to this day fucking hates Bill Lambeer. You can see it in any interview that he happens to, like, utter his name out of his mouth. But moving on, AC, you want to hit us up with number nine? So number nine on our list actually comes from this season. Hell yeah. And that is Nikola Jokic retaliating and pseudo-paralyzing Markeith Morris after he took a cheap shot for Morris and Morris turned his back. So to extend the analogy to our Will Smith situation, this is basically like if when, you know, Will Smith goes up, slaps this man across the face and turns around and walks back to his seat. If then while walking back down, (laughs) Chris Rock came in, just took this man to the ground with his back turned. That's basically what happened. This year, when Jokic took out Markeith Morris, who basically missed most of this season and still isn't quite right. Yeah, no, I mean, shit. If a guy who's seven feet tall, 280 pounds, like, just running into your back and you have no idea he's coming, like, it's going to fucking hurt. And Markeith definitely felt the effects. And for those of you who don't know, but I think a lot of you might know, the Morris brothers have been known to be kind of bullies in, in the NBA. They're guys who are sort of enforcers themselves, and they tend to do a lot of the shoving around. But, you know, this time, I think Jokic got the better of him. Granted, he was turned around, but, you know, he kind of got what was coming to him because the Morris brothers do this shit often, you know? I love you call them the Morris brothers. They are officially known as the Mori because the they're Mor-Eye. these two twins <laughs> who have identical everything, including tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, they have, like, literally have the exact same tattoos. And they are terrifying for most of the NBA. They scare everybody. They're, they are the ones who initiate cheap shots. But in this instance, the bully got hit back. And you can't say there was a little bit of poetic justice in that. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, AC, let's talk about number eight. What do we got? So number eight 
is Carmelo Anthony at the Garden, but when he was a member of the Denver Nuggets, yeah. you remember there was that big old brawl. Oh, yeah. You know, it started with J.R. Smith kind of getting tackled. And by the way, J.R. Smith, when he was on the Nuggets, not the Knicks, a lot of future Knicks here yeah, making yeah. their debuts in the Garden. It's <laughs> not really debuts, but kind of like yeah. introducing themselves to the Garden faithful. He's on a fast break, gets taken down, and, and, and a brawl ensues. And at the end of this brawl, Carmel Anthony runs up, takes a shot at Jared Jeffries of the Knicks, and then, like, literally moonwalks away before anything could happen to him. Like, he just takes a shot and then kind of runs away backward. <laughs> it, it's such a funny, uh, funny clip to watch because if you look now, if you go on YouTube and you look at the videos that are out now, there's the, the exact scene happening. But in the background of the, the video, all you hear is Promiscuous Girl by Nelly Furtado and Timberland. Promiscuous Girl. Yeah. <laughs> That's playing. And you see all this fucking chaos ensuing. It's like the best video ever. It's so funny. And by the way, 10 players were thrown out of oh, that yeah. game, which <laughs> may be a record for a game. I, I'm not sure about that officially, but it seems at least unofficially that that would be the case. Yeah, I, and, I think the commentators did mention something about it being the most probably in NBA history. Yeah, and then on top of that, let's not forget that Carmelo Anthony ends up with a 16-game suspension, yeah. which was pretty hefty by NBA suspension standards. Like, we just talk about this, the Jokic hit on Morris, he missed literally one game. Yeah, no, no doubt, AC. I, I think that, you know, this is also Melo in going into like the real prime of his career, I would say. Not super prime, but he was in 2006, right? So he was like a big part of that Denver Nuggets team, you know, being a huge contributor. So 16 games is a lot for your star player to just be out and not playing. Uh, but let's move on. What's number seven? Number seven on our Will Smith slap list. We have Hall of Famer, elbow throwing extraordinaire, Carl Malone. Taking out Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, like when I uh, watched this clip back, at first it didn't look that bad, but, you know, they showed a million different angles of it. And it's undeniable that Isaiah Thomas got his fucking lights knocked out. I mean, he's midair getting elbowed by Carmelo, who's like 270 pounds, arms as big as tree trunks. So, I mean, the guy needed like, what, 40 stitches? 40 stitches, four yeah. zero stitches for this. Yeah, And, you know, NBA circles, there wasn't much sympathy for Isaiah Thomas, who was a member of the Bad Boys, who obviously, as we talked about Lambeer, that team knocked a lot of guys out. But let's not give a pass here to Carl Malone, who was known for throwing vicious elbows in his career. And you're right. When you describe Carl Malone, this is a man who once made a WWE appearance and was in the ring with Hollywood Hulk Hogan <laughs> and literally looked the same size as him. You know, if there's ever an NBA player that was on roids, it has to, my first guess would be Carl fucking Carl Malone Mark. because he had arms that don't even make sense biologically. Yeah. Now he was a big fucking guy. So, I mean, having all that amount of force, like just placated right into your face, like the, the man's dying there. Hey, here's the thing, Anu. I know we had a brief discussion off air about, well, was this really an intentional shot by Carl Malone? And my answer to that is, when have you or anyone else you've ever known Tried to block a shot with your elbows. <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, <laughs> nah, you're so right about that. I think that's also what maybe uh, consider like, okay, you know, this is not the normal action to even go up to attempt to block a shot. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move on to number six. What do we got, AC? So number six in our list is 
maybe the second or third greatest basketball player of all time. We're talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the captain, the legend, the icon, taking a real sucker punch at Kent Benson. And, and if you watch this clip, you'll see Kareem took a bit of an elbow or something to the stomach and he was doubled over. I'm assuming it was from Kent Benson. And then he just walks over and Kent Benson is not even looking at him and, and Kareem just punches him right in the face. I believe that Kent Benson had a broken jaw from this for a man known for being a pretty classy sort of player in, in Kareem. This was maybe out of character to some degree, but also kind of vicious. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think when I watched it back, I didn't really think that it warranted that kind of reaction. But I guess maybe some words were exchanged like prior to that or something was probably said to like egg on Kareem. Because again, like you said, he's a very classy guy. And yes, well, in the 80s when he played, he did get into a couple of scuffles here and there. Nothing was ever as big as this where he literally ended this man's career. I'm pretty sure his career was never the same after this this happened. Granted, no one even knows who Benson really is. So even prior to that, right? But you know, to end a man's career with one fucking punch to the chin, it's just like, I mean, Kareem's a goat for, I guess, multitudes of reasons. So, number five on our list, Anu, we've had takedowns, we've had retaliatory punches, we've had sucker punches, we've had elbows. But we have to throw in, randomly, a fucking clothesline. And I'm referring to the legendary clip of Kevin McHale of the rival Boston Celtics clotheslining Kurt Rambis of the Los Angeles Lakers on a fast break. And when I say clothesline, I mean literally like right out of wrestling clothesline. Like imagine yeah, yeah. a guy is running down the court and another man comes as if he like just bounced off the rope. He's charging and he does a flying clothesline. <laughs> That's what the play was here. I remember watching this clip back and I think my eyes might have popped out of my skull because I was like, what? In God's day, this is this. Like, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of times where I look at something and I go, you know, that could be sold or that contact is like kind of over exaggerated. Right. Dude, this guy tried to kill him, like literally end his whole life. Like, there's a lot of times when, you know, a slap or a punch can suffice. This man decided to do a full out fucking wrestling move on, on a dude on a fast break. This play is so iconic that whenever you see anything, in terms of a clip or like a montage of this rivalry between these two franchises, you're going to see this clip. And it's also yeah. a clip that's often associated with the physical style of 80s basketball. So even though you know it's kind of a Bush League move, it, it's one of those plays that it was so random and came out of nowhere that it's actually kind of lived in infamy. Yeah, and I think you're doing it a little bit of justice by calling it Bush League. I mean... This is just un unreal, honestly. Like, if, if this is what we have at five, like when we go over to like four, three, two, and one, I'll be goddamn. We're gonna have some crazy stuff here. So, what is number four, AC? So, so number four is my guy Charles Oakley. Now, if you look up Charles Oakley, forget punches. Just look up Charles Oakley slaps on YouTube. You're gonna find any number of <laughs> clips of this man just walk up and slapping a guy. And if you don't know about Charles Oakley, Charles Oakley was one of the toughest motherfuckers in the NBA. <laughs> he effectively served as Michael Jordan's de facto bodyguard 
in the you know the early part of his career before he was traded to the Knicks, and then he was part of a very rough and tumble Knicks team, and then after he retired, he became Michael Jordan's bodyguard, kind of in real life. Like he would always follow Michael around, and no one would mess with him because this man could you know throw down. He, everyone was scared of Charles Oakley in the NBA. But the clip I'm going to tell you about here, this number four on our list, isn't even something they did on the court. It's a oh, very yeah. <laughs> famous incident that occurred off the court at the NBA lockout when he got mad at Charles Barkley, who, by the way, Charles Barkley is not somebody who was afraid to fight. Mm-hmm. Charles Oakley walked up to Charles Barkley at the lockout and smacked him in the fucking face. So <laughs> we have a lot of other you know, incidences of... of man-on-man violence here, but this is the one that probably most resembles the actual slap of Will Smith on <laughs> on Chris Rock because it wasn't even the context of a game. It was outside of the game at some completely different event, basically a meeting, and he just walked up and slapped a man and got away with it. Yeah, I mean, you're so totally right. Like, if you actually take the context of it, right? If you think of the Will Smith thing, they go there for the Oscars, and then out of nowhere, Will Smith just fucking slaps him. This is a two basketball players, not even at a fucking basketball game. One guy goes to slap the other guy. It's just comedy. So, I mean, Charles Oakley, again, he's a guy that you should not fucking mess with. If he was in today's league, holy shit. Like, the amount of times people would just be put in their fucking place when it comes to, you know, acting out or doing anything ridiculous. He's one of the, the true tough guys in NBA history. But with that being number four, AC, what's number three? So number three is widely considered the worst cheap shot ever thrown in NBA history. And that is Kermit Washington punching Rudy Tomjanovich. So just to describe this play, and you can find it on YouTube, there's a little bit of a brawl that breaks out at center court between two teams. And Rudy Tomjanovich is running over, I guess maybe join the brawl or separate people or whatever. It's unclear. And Kermit Washington turns around and really for no reason at all, punches Rudy Tomjanovich in the face so hard that Rudy Tomjanovich is lying virtually comatose on the ground. He winds up with a fractured skull, a concussion, and a broken jaw, Anu. Jesus Christ. Yeah, when I look back at the clip, it it really does look super fucking vicious. So Rudy is just running. I wouldn't say running at full force, but running with enough force that to receive that punch straight to his fucking face, I mean that that's a lot of lot of collision there. So when he hits the ground, his head it looks like he just like he looks lifeless first of all. Then his head, back of his head, hits the ground, and then he's in that comatose state where he's kind of like half like kneeled over in like the fetal position almost. It looks really bad, and I'm sure that it had like lasting effects for his career afterwards, and even after his playing days were done. In, in some instances, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Tom Donovich is, is now known most as the coach of those two Rocket teams that won back-to-back championships and his famous line, you know, never underestimate the heart of a champion. But he was a pretty good player, and, and this was a career-altering injury for him. And for Kermit Washington, by the way, he ended up with a, a 60-day suspension. And it's funny that they had a day suspension back then, not a game mm-hmm. suspension. And then a $10,000 fine, which is a lot of money back at the time. And beyond all that, it actually ruined... Kermit Washington's reputation as an NBA figure and, and something that he has worked after his career to sort of resuscitate in various ways. But this was that significant of, of, a, of a cheap shot that even amongst NBA circles when fighting was much more common, 
this was just looked at as a low blow. Yeah, for sure. And number two is one that is both near and dear to our hearts. AC, I'll let you take it away because it was one of one of your guys who, who did this. Well, he became my guy because of this. And <laughs> I am talking about the infamous Latrell Sprewell incident where he chokes his coach, PJ Carlissimo. Yeah, and when I say choke, I mean he choked this man so hard that there were actually finger marks on his neck for Jesus. days afterward. I mean, this is violating every standard of decorum that there's basically at any level of basketball or even sports, you do not lay hands on a coach, no matter how upset you are, Adam. Yeah, I mean, this is just outright, like, savagery, honestly. It, it just has no place in, in basketball at all, or in sport in general, honestly. It's, it's just disgusting, and I, I don't really know what he hoped to achieve out of, out of doing this. Whether I mean, he, like, he, he hoped to achieve a dead man, basically. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, if that was his, what he was trying to go for, then shit, I guess he did it. But, you know, I mean, doing something like this had a negative impact for everyone involved, and especially for him, because I feel like he was not looked at the same way amongst teammates and, and coaches alike afterwards. Just, just sick, honestly. Well, you know, what's interesting is he ended up being suspended for that season. And the next year, he wound up on the New York Knicks. And I remember very well Latrell Sprewell's debut game. The Garden started out booing him relentlessly. Oh, yeah. Because of what happened. But you know what happened by the end of that game? They were cheering him. Because you know what? He was a really good player at that time. He was an all-star caliber player. And he actually ended up you know, becoming kind of a beloved Nick for a time. And he was part of that 99 run to the finals where he ended up losing the Rockets in the lockout short season. And later on, he had a pretty nice role on, on a Minnesota Timberwolves team with Sam Cassell and Kevin Garnett before he ultimately decided that he needed more money to <laughs> feed his children or whatever it was. And, and then basically got himself kicked out of the NBA, not officially, but unofficially because no one wanted his, his head cases problems anymore. Yeah, but he did have a resuscitation of his career, even after this incident that should probably have ended his career. But he choked his fucking coach. Yeah. I mean, imagine doing that today, right? Like the fucking consequences of what would happen today. And of course, number one is something that I think everyone was expecting. Uh, AC, I mean, go ahead, take it away. So number one on my list, you know, we've talked about a person attacking another person in our first nine, right? Whether it's choking whether it's elbowing, whether it's sucker punches. Well, the number one moment on my list, and I say a moment because it's it's almost impossible to describe it any other way, was when the Indiana Pacers decided to fight the city of Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking about the 2004 Malice in the Palace. I was watching this game because I, I was really excited for it. It was a Sacramento Kings game afterwards. So this game was on. And, and to give some context, the Indiana Pacers that year were really, really good. Yeah, They had yeah. Ron Artest, they had Jermaine O'Neal, they had Reggie Miller at the end of his career. They were a deep team. You know, Steven Jackson was on that team. And the Detroit Pistons were one of the teams that were kind of in their way. And this was a very talented Pistons team as well. And what ended up happening was Ben Wallace, you know, pretty tough guy for the Detroit Pistons, had a bit of a scuffle, pseudo scuffle with Ron Artest. And Ron Artest, 
was known, you know, the artist formerly known as Meta World Peace. I don't know what, what's official name around Meta World Artest or something. He keeps changing. Uh, yeah, his name. I think he keeps changing it. I think it's something along those lines. But you know, whether it's Rod Artest or Meta World Peace, he decides he's not going to retaliate. He's going to be the good soldier, and he's going to walk over and he decides to lie down on the scorer's table at the side of the court, right? And then some fool from the audience decides to throw a cup of water at this man. So Rod Artest gets up, runs into the fucking crowd, <laughs> and punches the wrong man. <laughs> he punches a different guy, not the guy who threw the water. So the people of Detroit, who are in that arena, who already don't like the Pacers, they start punching him, and he starts fighting all of them. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the actual court, you have other Pacers players, like Jermaine O'Neal, and like Steven Jackson getting into it with other fans. So you have a multi-stage brawl going on. All the while, like the game literally suspended. Like there was no outcome to this game. The game just ended. And I'm watching this in utter shock. I'll never forget <laughs> what my dad said. My dad looks at me and he's like, these guys aren't professionals. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, so there's a whole, like, Netflix uh, documentary about this, too. And it's an incredible watch. Yeah, well and, worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. One thing to me that I found very interesting is that, you know, this happened at the end of the game, right? So this yep. really hard foul happened, you know, for kind of no real reason other than the fact that I guess Ron Artest was sort of, you know, kind of, I don't, I don't want to say showboating, but, you know, he was trying to run up the score a little bit, right? So, yep. you know. I guess Ben Wallace took a lot of exception to that, and that's where this whole thing really started. You know, it, it's crazy because this became a huge, huge thing that happened in Detroit where, like, they were trying to find everyone involved, including the the fans, right? A lot of fans got in trouble for this. A lot of court, ongoing court cases at the time were happening. And I thought that when I watched it, at, at, like, at first, like, watching clips of it, because I obviously didn't watch the actual game, I was just in shock because you see these guys all going to the, the locker room afterwards, right? And it's raining down drinks, snacks, all, all these things. It's it's just an unbelievable thing to watch happen. Like, I, you couldn't imagine it, honestly. Yeah, the other thing is, Anu, this was a career-altering thing for some of these players, right? Like, I don't know if our test really ever shook the, the reputation he got from this. Now, you ended up changing his name to Meta World Peace, which is... Hilarious. Meta is actually just the Buddhist word metta, mm. which means loving kindness. Um, which is hilarious. So his little the name is literally loving kindness, world peace. <laughs> so he tried to change his image and yeah, and he yeah. ended, ended up winning a championship. But guys like Jermaine O'Neal, I feel like their career never recovered from this. Steven yeah, Jackson, sure. another guy who had won a championship already with the San Antonio Spurs, but was kind of just and he had he had a role to play in some you know Golden State teams later with Baron Davis, but they they couldn't shake the reputation. And that team, by the way, that Pacers team, all those guys were suspended for most of that season, if yeah. not all of it. And uh, they kind of crumbled apart. They, they had a lot of talent. And that's the year that the Detroit Pistons, the team that they were fighting against, ended up winning the championship, of all things, and beat yeah. the Lakers that year. And the last thing I want to say about the, this particular incident is it had dramatic implications for the NBA itself. I mean, David Stern mm -hmm. talked about it multiple times as the lowest port point of his career, along with maybe the Tim Donnie scandal. And it, it led to a lot of rule changes, you know, like fights became 
much rarer after this, in part because of the way the rules were enforced. And it actually led to a changing of rules in some ways to a, a less physical style of basketball, which you know something that I personally am not a fan of. But mm-hmm. this had huge ramifications because the NBA could never afford for something like this to ever happen again. So one major implication was that this had a lot of like perception problems for the league. You know, I would say like the the white audience did not necessarily like to see this sort of thing. And it, it had bad right. implications for what this meant for the league. And on top of that, like a guy like Reggie Miller, right? This is really his last stint and chance at an NBA championship. And that also got ruined. You know, Jermaine O'Neal was, was one of the most promising big men at the time. And like you said, AC, his career just like kind of fell flat after that. It's just really unfortunate the way things sort of panned out. And a lot of, you know, a lot of what if scenarios could have, could have really came from this. So honestly, just a shame. You bring up a really good point about the perception of the NBA. I always thought it was interesting that a sport like ice hockey, where they're sanctioned fighting effectively, <laughs> is not looked up as a league as like quote unquote thugs, but the NBA is. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at baseball, there's always brawls in baseball. The manager and the whole dugouts will get into brawls. But somehow the NBA, which generally speaking, despite this list, is a pretty peaceful league. Mm-hmm. But you have this perception problem and. And, and and the mouse in the palace was the all-time low point for that. Because after that, it was just like, oh wow, these this league doesn't have any, you know, that horrible phrase that I hate when they say, but that the inmates run the asylum was was sort of yeah. the 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 common prevailing sentiment at the time. And and David Cern had to do a lot to sort of steer the league away from that. And I'm not yeah. sure all the decisions he made were correct either, by the way. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you say that, AC, about sort of this perception of the league, right? I think to the average person, no one would really understand that the NBA is truly like a fraternity, like a brotherhood, really. A lot of the guys that you see playing in the league, they grew up playing together in some ways or playing against each other, especially in today's league, right? Even back then, you'd see this happen all the time, whether it be through, you know, AAU or, you know, through high school, college. These guys have known each other for years on end, right? Yes, you'll have a few bad apples here and there. Maybe sort of the generation differences between guys who are like seven, eight years apart, right? You'll have those issues happen too. But, you know, for the most part, this is a league that it sounds weird to say, but is really tranquil with with one another and each other's players. So I feel like that perception, especially now, is a lot better. But back then, it it really was tarnished by a lot of these these issues that happened. So, Anu, we sort of had the intention of talking about the Raptors, but I think we both really enjoyed going through our top 10. So why don't we just close out with this? What are some of the clips or moments of other Will Smith slap candidates that didn't make our top 10 that just come to mind for you? So for me, this also involves my guy, Larry Bird. This is one of the most ridiculous (laughs) things I've seen. This is when Charles Barkley, in his early years, you know, six years, years. Yeah, six years, years, six years, years. You know, he's a he's a he's a good guy. He wants to be a nice guy for his vet. So, what other way to do this than to hold back Larry Bird while Julius Irving gets to take free fucking pot shots at him, and Larry Bird's there stunned, fighting a two on one. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like, that would have probably made the list if not for the fact that it was kind of like a two on one. And I'm yeah. like, you know, like, well, I guess you put the mouse in the palace, so I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, but there's some real rules here. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's still, it's still like a, a kind of a bitch move. <laughs> like, it's so thing. funny. And I, I, I'm pretty sure this started because, you know, this is Julius Irving kind of near the, the tail end of his career. And yeah. this is Larry Bird, who's like at the height of his powers, right? 
So I'm pretty sure Larry Bird is just scoring nonstop on Julius Irving time and time again. And I think Larry Bird does a score check with him or something along those lines, like maybe something like, you know, 35, 36 and to six or something along those lines. Right. And Julius Irving obviously takes mega exception to this because he's also an all time great who doesn't want to be pushed around. So, you know, a little brawl ensues because of Larry Bird's trash talking. Yeah, it's a classic NBA moment. My candidate that I didn't quite make the list, but it's just such a funny clip. I just have to throw this out there is Bruce Bowen's flying karate kick of Wally Zerbiak. Literally one of my favorite clips of all time because, you know, he's running out to contest a three-pointer and he doesn't decide to block the shot or, you know, do anything else besides karate kick this man in the fucking face like he's a taekwondo black belt, you know, flying through the air. And the clip of this is fantastic. If you look this up, just look up Bruce Bowen kicks or karate kicks Wally Zerbiak. And it's always to the music of that, ooh, what you say? (laughs) Jason (laughs) Derulo Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah, uh, this clip, I I was saying it earlier about some of the other ones, especially the Kevin McHale and the Kurt Rambis one, like where something is so obviously not an NBA play. (laughs) Right, right. This is exactly one of those instances like, there's no case ever where you're going to close out a shot leading with your foot in the air. <laughs> yeah, right at the guy's face conveniently, yeah. too. I, I don't even know. And keep in mind, guys, like, Bruce Bowen, for those of you who don't know, was a fantastic defender. He's one of the, the great perimeter defenders, actually. And one of the great cheap shot artists yeah. of all time as well, yeah. to be fair. To be fair, right? But, you know, so it's interesting to see how some guy who is known for both of these things it's like kind of fighting in his head, like, do I contest this normally or do I do what I always do? Do I do my cheap shot? And I guess, like, the devil in this scenario won out. So he decided yeah. to fucking leave, you know? It's just, right. It's so funny. I love Wally's reaction afterwards. Just like plumbing it's just the stunned, 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 stunned shock. Like, what, <laughs> like, what else could he possibly do? Like, you just got kicked in the face while he's trying to take a three pointer. Yeah. And Wally Zerbiak at the time was uh, an elite three-point shooter, too. So, yeah, yeah. Know, it makes sense that people would close out to him. I'm sure he was expecting a closeout, but not like that. <laughs> right. And with that, guys, I think that's a great place to stop. We're going to talk about my Raptors, but of course, you know, Will Smith's slapping, it seems to be a bit more of an interesting topic at the moment. Especially um, in a league where apparently we have everything from slapping to clotheslining to even potentially kicking. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just great stuff. And we will for sure talk about my Raptors, possibly in the next episode, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, with that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you like what you heard, please feel free to comment, subscribe, rate, whatever you like. Make sure you email us at brownmenwontjump at gmail.com and you can also find us at the same Instagram. Thank you guys for listening and peace out. Peace.